presenting this month's special series, Focus on Children's Health on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. We all know that tobacco use kills millions of people around the world each year. Most of the available research is on cigarette smoking. What do we know about the increasing popularity of hookah smoking? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Thomas Eisenberg, Associate Professor at Virginia Commonwealth University's Department of Psychology. His primary area of research is the behavioral pharmacology of drugs of abuse. In addition, he currently serves on the American Psychological Association's Committee to Advance Responsible Research and the Society for Research on Nicotine and Tobacco's Policy Committee. Welcome to ReachMD, Dr. Eisenberg. Thank you, Leslie. I'm happy to be here. I'm curious as to how you got interested in this particular topic, hookah smoking. It's actually kind of a funny story. The National Institutes of Health indicated in around 2001 that they were interested in supporting tobacco research infrastructure in developing countries. And I got in touch at about that time with a colleague from Syria, Dr. Wasim Maziak. He said he was really interested in starting tobacco research in Syria. And so he and I and another one of my colleagues at the University of Memphis, Dr. Ken Ward, put together a proposal to found the Syrian Center for Tobacco Studies. It got funded by NIH. And, of course, one of the purposes of that center was to study local methods of tobacco use. Mm -hmm. And water pipe is extremely popular in the Middle East, including in Syria. What exactly is a hookah? I'm not sure all of our listeners know even what it is. Right. Well, many Americans, when they think of water pipes, tend to think of a bong that they might have seen people smoking marijuana out of in college. And a water pipe uses a similar principle, but it doesn't look quite the same. It's made up of four main parts. There's a head at the very top into which the tobacco is placed. And then there's a body, which is essentially just a a central conduit or hollow tube that goes down from the head into the third part, which is a bowl of water, and emerging from that bowl is a long hose with a mouthpiece at the end. Sometimes you'll see these sort of in the background in news reports about things going on in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. And the main purpose, of course, is to get that smoke to pass through the water before it gets to the user through the mouthpiece. And this is supposedly safer? What's the whole point of this big apparatus? That's a great question because a lot of people think because the smoke passes through the water that it, and I'm going to use the F word here, that it filters, uh, (laughs) the water filters the smoke. And there's absolutely no evidence to support that idea, but there is a very strong belief in it. And it goes back to around the 1600s when the water pipe was supposedly first developed in India. The idea was that somehow the water would make the smoke safer. What it actually does, though, and what I think many of those college users are experienced with, is it cools the smoke. The water cools the smoke by the time it gets to their mouth. So what have you learned in your research about water pipe use in American students? The most surprising thing, and remember, I came at this studying water pipe use in the Middle East, and it never occurred to me that I'd be studying water pipe use in the United States. But since that time in 2001, when we started the Syrian Center, it was clear that water pipes were becoming more popular across the globe. And then a water pipe bar opened here in Richmond, and of course, that got my attention. Mm. So the most surprising thing I've learned is how popular water pipes are to smoke tobacco here in the U.S., We did a survey here at Virginia Commonwealth University, and 20% of the 744 students that we surveyed had reported using a water pipe to smoke tobacco in the past 30 days. 20%? 20%. 15% at Johns Hopkins University, a similar study done at University of Pittsburgh, reported 9.5%. And then there's a study that we'll be reporting soon that was of Arizona high school students. So remember, high school students. 
7.3% of them, these are seniors, 12th graders, reported using a water pipe to smoke tobacco in the past 30 days. And now the college kids, obviously, you would assume well-educated, bright kids that have heard all the warnings about tobacco their whole lives. Yeah, well, in fact, that's one of the puzzling things about it when I go to speak to them in the water pipe bars. These are kids who will tell you they know smoking is dangerous. They'll tell you that they would never touch a cigarette. And then at the same time, while smoke is coming out of their mouth, they'll say, oh, I'm not a smoker. This is a water pipe. That's different. Hmm. So they really don't get it. And I have to say that I don't recall seeing any sort of public health informational advertising or, you know, public spots about water pipes in general. We see a lot of smoking ones, but not about water pipes. That's another great point. And I think it points to one of the biggest things we could do in terms of preventing water pipe tobacco use from spreading in the United States is to start including it in these public service announcements. That's what some of these kids will tell me. Well, if it was bad for me, I would have heard about it, Mm -hmm. they say. Mm -hmm. And they haven't heard about it. And they haven't heard about it in the public service announcements. And I'm afraid, and I think this is particularly important for your audience, I'm afraid they're also not hearing about it from their physicians. That is, you know, many physicians are familiar with the five A's where they're supposed to ask about tobacco use and advise about treatment. But I think they focus on cigarettes. And what these kids need to hear is that water pipe tobacco smoking is indeed a form of tobacco smoking, and it carries with it some of the same risks. Mm -hmm. But those of us that know a bit about addictions know if you don't ask specifically, you're not likely to get an answer. So just asking about smoking probably isn't going to get the answer from the water pipe users. That's exactly right. When I go in again, I say, are you a smoker? Oh, no, I'm not a smoker. And yet this is a person who's inhaling and exhaling smoke from a water pipe. So what I'm hearing, Dr. Eisenberg, is the addiction potential, the risks, all of that is the same with water pipe smoking as cigarette smoking. Well, I can't really say that because the necessary studies haven't been done. And this is another thing that's sort of confusing for some of the kids who are using water pipes to smoke tobacco. They figure we should know about all this stuff already. And since they haven't heard anything, it's probably not dangerous. Mm. But they're forgetting that, of course, it took 40 or 50 years here in very rich developed countries to study and learn about the long-term risks of cigarette smoking. The kind of resources necessary to do that work haven't been expended for a variety of very good reasons in the Middle East where water pipe tobacco smoking goes on. And so we don't really know as much as we should or as much as we'd like to know about the risks. What I can tell you is that water pipe tobacco smokers inhale huge amounts of smoke, even compared to cigarette smokers. And that smoke carries with it many of the same toxicants that are in cigarette smoke. So it's certainly not safe. We can say that for sure. There is absolutely no reason to believe (laughs) that it's a benign activity. And one of the things that I think is important for people to know is that water pipe users and even some of the hookah cafe owners that I've spoken to will point to a box of water pipe tobacco. And on that box, I'm looking at one here in my office, on that box are printed the words tar, 0%. And they'll say, well, look, it's safe. It has no tar. And that statement is completely accurate. There is no tar in a box of water pipe tobacco, just like there is no tar in a pack of cigarettes. Tar is a smoke constituent, not a tobacco Mm. constituent, and it's not until it's heated that tobacco produces tar. As it turns out, if you compare a single cigarette to a single water pipe smoking episode, there's about 46 times the tar in a water pipe smoking episode than there is in a cigarette. So there's plenty of tar there. Now, most of our listeners are probably most interested in what can we do about this? So clearly we can talk about it. We can ask the kids. We can hope that public service announcements start including water pipes. Any other ideas about intervention strategies? 
Well, we're working in Syria and developing an intervention strategy for the most dependent users there. So there are no clinical trials that I could point to to say, well, this is the correct way to treat a water pipe user. I think what we have to do now is raise awareness, and then if there are individuals who report that they're interested in quitting their water pipe use, right now the best thing we can do, assess their dependence, find out you know how many times they're using it, and then recommend typical treatments that you would recommend for cigarette smokers, I'd emphasize behavioral treatments first because we simply don't know what the nicotine dependence level is in these individuals. But it is possible that nicotine replacement products like the gum or the patch may also be useful. So again, awareness is crucial, especially among physicians, and I might add parents. I know for me, I never even heard of this until my college son uh, ended up with a hookah over summer vacation. And of course, I was shocked and horrified. And we went through this exact conversation. Oh, no, mom, this is safe. It's not like smoking. So awareness is huge. And then looking at the addiction issues, because certainly if they're using tobacco, the same sort of receptor problems occur as with smoking or chewing. Yeah, and if we ask and find out that they're using water pipes to smoke tobacco, it may be that they're like some of the 50 to 60% of students I surveyed, that they're right now using it only two or three times a month. And so asking them and then informing them about some of the facts that we know about water pipe tobacco smoking may be enough. Because remember, these are kids who acknowledge the dangers of cigarette smoking and will say that they're not interested in doing that. I'm afraid, though, when we get into the more dependent users, and 12% of the students that I've sampled reported using over 21 times a month, there we're looking at dependence, and it may be that medications are going to be needed to help those individuals quit. The other thing I think is going to be confusing, certainly for me and I assume for other physicians, is how do you quantify how much they're smoking? With cigarettes, we all know pack a day, half pack a day, etc., but how do you even measure what they're smoking? What we've done here in the U.S. is just ask how many times do they sit down to smoke. But I think you raise a really good point because something like 30 to 40 percent of the folks that I surveyed reported that when they sit down to smoke, they're smoking for more than 60 minutes at a time. Wow. And so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of smoke that's being inhaled there. And this goes to the point of your question, a lot of nicotine that's being inhaled. So quantifying it, it's going to be much harder, unfortunately, than simply counting cigarettes or counting bowls of tobacco. The other thing that they don't realize is just how much smoke they're inhaling. We've measured, at least in a study in Beirut, Lebanon, a colleague of mine, Alan Shihada, has measured water pipe users while they're smoking. And they take, during a 45-minute use episode, over 100 puffs. And each one of those puffs is about 10 times the size as a puff you take from a cigarette. Because, oh, my again, the, gosh. Yes, the smoke is very cool, so it's very easy to inhale. There's also very little draw resistance relative to a cigarette. You kind of have to you know, really puff when you puff a cigarette, but you don't have to do that with a hookah because there's essentially nothing in between you and the smoke generation. And so what they end up with is 50,000 milliliters of smoke during a normal smoking episode as compared to 500 milliliters of smoke from a cigarette. And they don't know this. They don't understand how much they're inhaling. That's incredible. Now, finally, I'm naive on this, but I wonder how do these hookah bars even exist in places that have such stringent anti-smoking laws? How do they get around that? Well, that's a darn good question. I think a lot of the cases, and there's been some discussion about this in New York, where there's a movement to, I think, shut down some of these hookah bars. They're getting most of their money, if not all of their money, from tobacco sales. And I think there is an exemption for pure tobacco sale establishments. Mm. Uh, And so that may be where they're getting in. 
I guess I'm not entirely up on the legal issues there. Yeah, it's just peculiar. It seems like, you know, as a society, of course, we're limiting smoking so much that how are these things flourishing? I guess uh, need more education on everybody's behalf. You know, it's the limitation is another reason why it's so popular in college smokers. It's funny because I started putting this together only recently, but most of the people that I'm talking to are between the ages of 18 and 21. These are people who aren't allowed to get into a bar where alcohol is served. Mm, And most hookah cafes don't serve alcohol. So that's why they're flocking to these establishments. It's a place to do something that's very social. It's a place to do something that I suspect is a little rebellious. And it's a place where they're not going to get carded. Okay, well, thank you so much for enlightening us about this troublesome problem. Sure, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Thomas Eisenberg from Virginia Commonwealth University. We've been discussing the growing use of hookah amongst our students and what we can do about it. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Focus on Children's Health on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals.